This episode is brought to you by Earth Class Mail. Is your business buried under piles of mail, checks, and invoices? At Earth Class Mail, they reduce that clutter and streamline your tasks by converting these papers into digital documents and integrating with the platforms you already use. Their online tools help you identify checks and deposit them quickly and automatically, allowing you to focus on what matters most, running your business. The promotion code you'll want to use is NLP, and the URL that you want to go to is earthclassmail.com slash pricing. Again, that's earthclassmail.com slash pricing. Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, Making Your World Better. Today's topic is diversity on nonprofit boards. Here's why it's so important. According to a survey by BoardSource, which is a research and support organization for nonprofit boards, 25% of boards are all white and only 20% of board members are people of color. Yet most nonprofit leaders and board chairs desire to have their boards that are more diverse, not just racially, but in terms of gender, socioeconomic status, age, experience, etc. So in order to reconcile this desire with reality, creating intentional plans for diversifying nonprofit boards is essential. And further, we know that boards and teams, for that matter, that are more diverse actually perform better. How can you and how can your board be more intentional to create more diversity on your respective boards? And today's guest is Kate Hayes. She is the director of Direct Impact for Echoing Green. That's a social impact fund that identifies tomorrow's transformative leaders today. And she oversees programming for a dynamic group of emerging business leaders who are dedicated to realizing their full potential as agents of social change. Now, before she was with Echo and Green, she worked as a director of evaluation and program impact in the National Office of Minds Matter. Kate, it's so good to have you. I'm glad you're calling in from New York today. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. I'm excited to be here. You bet. Well, you've, uh, this is an interesting topic. We've never actually had this specific topic on the show up to this point, but I think it's one of those critical topics that I'm actually surprised now that I say this that we haven't talked about it. So I'm glad you're on the show to talk about it. But first, give us a little bit of background on the state of nonprofit boards currently. Uh, perhaps where you're getting some of the data and what you're finding. Sure. So the state of nonprofit boards is a really interesting place. Um, and I think the, the fact that it's not a topic that's talked about too much shows kind of historically, I think nonprofit boards have been somewhat underinvested in. And because of that, we've seen a few big things happening. So first of all, especially when we look at racial diversity, boards are not diverse. Only 20% of board members are people of color. We're still at a place where 25% of boards are all white. When you look at gender, it's a little bit more balanced, except for in leadership positions. There, there remains to be many more men as board chairs than women. Age is an area where boards struggle with diversity. But beyond those diversity points, 
boards are generally very ineffective. And given self-reported data from places like Stanford and BoardSource, we know that about half of board members don't actually think that their fellow board members are very effective, um, which which goes to show a lot of the data is self-reported. And 80% of board members have received no type of training. So these stats are actually not all that surprising when we think about the need to really rethink how we train board members in order to begin to move the needle, making them more effective. Well, how do we get here? Like, why do you think there's such a lack of diversity? That's a great question. I think that over the past few decades and, and even before, traditionally, those who have held power have been often white men um, and often just non, non-diverse individuals in general. And so power structures, which includes a board, have remained that way as sort of the steady, steady level. And board recruitment is one of the areas that I think is one of the biggest struggles because people tend to look within their own networks as they think about finding new board members. And our networks often tend to look like us. So if you fall within that category of a quarter of boards that are all white and you're, you're recruiting, it's more likely that those that you're recruiting amongst are not particularly diverse. So when we begin to think about changing diversity on boards, really the very first place to start is this recruitment element, which has kind of made us stuck in this vicious cycle of boards not becoming more diverse. Yeah, it's very interesting. And now we've got a lot of listeners who are either EDs or serve on a staff or are board members. What do you think, as particularly from your organization, your role and all the experience you've had, um, what are the most important first steps towards intentionally adding more diversity to one's board? Like, how do you go about it? Yeah, you just said the first right word, which is intention. So the very first thing that boards need to do and that organizations need to do is decide that they want to build a more diverse board. And that requires them to see the value in doing so. And the value is is a ton. We can certainly get into why why it is better that way. Um, but that intention and really defining what diversity means for your board. So for some, for many, things like demographic diversity in terms of racial, gender, uh, those things are going to be important elements of it, but also age, socioeconomic status, disability, things like that could be more important to particular boards depending on the populations that they're serving. And really the most important piece is getting to a place where your board reflects the community that you're serving. So having community stakeholders is a really important part of that conversation and defining what that diversity looks like. So that's the first part, getting on the same page, defining it, making the decision. Then it's really rethinking the recruitment and onboarding process. So when you think about board recruitment, often you sit down with the board, you populate a list of names for people that that might be interested in the board, it needs to be considered more like a job. And that requires creating a really robust and accurate board member job description that you can disseminate out into networks beyond the immediate board's networks. So posting on places like LinkedIn and Idealist are a good start, but also reaching out if you're looking for specific demographics, reaching out to affinity groups that have a lot of people that could be potential fits. And by not having it be 
be reliant on word of mouth, but having a paper job description, here you go, are you interested, um, is a great place to start. And from there, really thinking about creating a an equitable onboarding process. So you don't want some board members to just be onboarded and they're on because they know a they know a current board member, but instead making sure everybody is going through the same interview process, going through the same activities that might be part of that process, and ultimately everybody has a say in the decisions that are being made. Um, and then finally, really just restructuring board policies and rethinking board policies to ensure that there are inclusive practices making sure, and this is a topic we could talk a whole bunch about, it's something that I think a lot about, but making sure meetings are run effectively so that everybody in the room has a voice because it's one thing to get the right people in the room. It's another to make sure that that power and those decisions and those voices are heard amongst all board members. That's a really good point. You actually bring up a a key part of that. Um, Again, we've not talked a lot about boards, but when we have in the past, making sure that it's not just a board is not dominated by one person, maybe the founder or the the board chairman or chairwoman and that uh, whatever case it is. So yeah, maybe talk about that a little bit. How do you ensure a board really feels like every member of the board feels like their voice is heard and they're all contributing equally? Yeah, there's a few things that are pretty simple to do and can make a huge difference. The first is building relationships amongst board members. Boards are such an interesting team or group of people because they are sharing the power over and with an organization in partnership with that executive director, but they're only coming together a couple times a year. And oftentimes, for those I'm sure many listeners have experienced this, Let's say it's a two-hour meeting. By the time everybody gets in and gets settled, it's already 10 minutes into the meeting. At the end, people are exhausted, and there's not much time spent on cultivating those relationships um, and just helping people understand who's in the room and get to know them. And there's actually now data that shows that having social interactions outside of the boardroom makes boards more effective, which is – it was a hunch that we've had for a long time, and it's really exciting to see that that's true. So building those relationships both inside and outside of the board meeting. A couple of really practical tips to do that. The very first thing I do at every board meeting and have the organizations that I work with do is spend 15 minutes having having everybody share what we call a peak, a valley, and a thought. Peak and valley are personal, so it allows people to understand what's going on in the lives of their fellow board members. So they can share in the excitement. So if somebody is not seeming themselves, they have a better sense of what's going on. And then a thought creates just open space for them to really quickly say in 30 seconds something that they've been thinking about in terms of the organization, since it's pretty rare to have a lot of empty space in board meetings. So that allows for that space to occur. Um, And then outside of meetings, making sure that there's social opportunities for people to connect with one another is a really powerful thing to do. From there, establishing group norms. So boards need to really understand how their board members need to really understand how they're expected to show up in the board. Things like being present, things like cultivating curiosity and asking curious questions, things like noticing judgments that they have about themselves and others and just being more aware throughout the board meeting. So bringing in those group norms to every board meeting is really, really important. And 
then finally thinking about how we could restructure board meetings to facilitate great conversations. So oftentimes, after you do any introductions, you jump right into reading through the board book, approving the minutes, going through the business, um, when in theory, board members hopefully would have read the materials in advance, though they often don't, uh, but that's a, a norm that also can be changed. So instead of that business happening first, putting the strategic conversations that need to be had up front so that people are more energized, they've just heard from their fellow board members, and they can spend time really digging deep in and using their brilliant minds to support and problem solving with big challenges that the organization is facing. And what's important there is any strategic conversation, there should usually be one per meeting, sometimes two. It's important to get clear on what the outcome is. Is this a brainstorming session? Is this a session where we want to get to a recommendation with action steps at the end? Um, but making sure everybody's on the same page with what that end state of that strategic conversation is and making sure that there's a great facilitator um, who's somebody that's okay with stepping back and not participating but can put on that facilitator hat and really work to make sure that everybody is weighing in. Um, when that trust has been built through relationship building, it makes it much easier to tell somebody who might be talking a little bit too much to kind of step back, let other voices be heard. So I think those are the three really key things to start with to help make those meetings better and help build those relationships and that trust amongst board members. Hey, everybody, Rob here. Thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. If you're listening for the first time and you're wondering, is there other good episodes out there? And I would say yes, absolutely. Go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org, and there's a whole list of guests and um, organizations that we've featured over the last couple of years. Um, we've had a great time bringing them to your attention and letting more people know about these great people and these good organizations that they're leading. I encourage you to check it out. The other thing I encourage you to do is check out our podcast on iTunes. In fact, when you go to iTunes, if you give us a rating, that would be wonderful. We know that when people get ratings on podcasts, that podcast gets out to more people. And we'd love to get this podcast out to as many people as possible. So we just encourage you, if you've really enjoyed these podcasts and it's really been something that you've learned from them, give us a rating. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. All right, now back to the show. Well, very helpful. And I have a feeling that people that are listening to this will say, well, you know, I've been trying to do these things. I'm trying to recruit and be intentional. Um, however, they bump into barriers. In fact, with your work with boards, what would you say are some of the most common barriers to overcome in order to create the board one really wants? Where to begin with that? I think there's there's certainly a lot of real barriers that exist. And there's also a lot of perceived barriers. So I'll, I'll start with perceived and kind of weave in a, a few real as well. I think there's often a perception that when it comes to board recruitment, there aren't diverse candidates out there that would be interested in their work. And that's a really easy thing to say, um, but what what every organization needs to know is that it's not going to be easy. Um, it's not going to be as easy as saying, yes, I have these three friends that would be great to join the board, but knowing that, yes, there are people out there, but it's going to take a lot of work to find them. Um, but once we begin to move the needle and kind of change what the board composition looks like, it's going to become much easier. The second is 
because of the lack of board training, a lot of board members don't really know what's expected of them. Um, they think about, okay, do they want me just to write a check, but I want to engage strategically. So with that job description and with continuing to coming back to what each board member's roles and responsibilities really are, help people get on the same page in terms of what's expected of them. Because when people don't know what is expected of them, it's really hard for them to perform. And from there, creating accountability structures. So making sure, it sounds simple, but making sure you're taking attendance at each meeting, but also noting who's who's showing up and engaging in conversation versus who's just sitting there on their phone, which there should be a group norm for no phones, um, but who's engaging. So measuring those things over time, we don't want to let term limits limit us in terms of our ability to create effective boards. So there should be yearly evaluations where if somebody's not performing or if they're continuously being disruptive to the group, that you can let that person go gracefully. Maybe there's a better role for them. Maybe something's going on for them outside of this work, and it's just not the right fit anymore. Um, But one of the biggest barriers to having effective boards are board members that aren't as engaged and aren't showing up with the best interest of the organization in mind. Um, And finally, to loop it back to training, um, it's It is a real barrier because there's not a whole lot of training that exists out in the field, Um, but it can be as simple as self-learning. So have all of your board members read board sources latest report, leading with intent, and have an intentional conversation about what struck you while you were reading this report, what practical ideas do you have to bring this back in. So while having an external trainer come in is great um, if you have access to that and know of somebody, but also just creating those moments where board members can sort of train themselves and engage in conversations um, is a is a great place to start. No, good, good. I like that because I think those are very common. Um, all right. Now, when you think about board members and you want more diversity, of course, that's a huge goal. And it sounds like we're really far behind a lot of nonprofits anyway. We need to get more diversity on our boards, respectively. But we also want just solid boards across the board, you know, no pun intended. Um, when you think about the key characteristics of good board members, like when you're searching out a good board member, what are you looking for in emerging board leaders? What are the qualities? What are the characteristics? Yeah, the very first quality that I'm looking for is self-awareness. So having somebody that does know themselves, does have an understanding of what they bring to the table, and oftentimes board members will come in and say, I have this great set of financial skills or marketing skills. That's important. I want to know that, but I also want to know, do you know about your level of curiosity? Do you know what what makes you tick? What are your superpowers? So that self-awareness piece is really important. And from there, I think that feeds into this notion of vulnerability. And I'm really looking for board members that can show up and be vulnerable in board meetings. I think one of the biggest challenges with making boards more effective is that there's not a lot of trust that exists between the board and the executive director. Uh, The executive director is often wanting to impress their board, they want to just show up and show their, put their best foot forward, show the impressive metrics, because they're often afraid of, well, what happens if I show that I'm failing or I'm struggling, which, as we nonprofit leaders know, 
that happens a lot. We're, we're always struggling and always trying to overcome some set of obstacles. Um, and then the board members are equally frustrated in a different way because they want to, or we at least want them to, um, be engaged in solving these big, juicy problems. So we want the executive director and the board to be able to have that mutual trust, which I think is really grounded in this vulnerability and board members being able to show up as humans, not just as the finance expert or the marketing expert. Um, So self-awareness, vulnerability, a heavy dose of humility, and knowing what they don't know, and especially because So many board members are not necessarily members of the community that the organization is serving. It's important that they have that drive to learn and to understand and to know that they certainly don't know everything about that community. They don't have all of the answers. So they need to be ones that are willing to go and ask and co-create and listen um, and listen some more. Uh, so those are the first three qualities. And then I think the other piece is this desire to just be a true partner. Um, I've had organizations that I've worked with where something goes wrong with the organization and the board members kind of back up and expect that the executive director will fix it, which oftentimes they then do because they have to. But um, I want to look for board members that are going to be in it when there's huge success and in it when there's huge challenges. I think that board members are this um, awesome thing I like to call insider outsiders. So they're insiders in that they're on the leadership team of this organization. They're equally committed to the cause that they're serving, but they also have this fantastic outsider's perspective that can allow the executive director in the organization to see things from the 50,000, 100,000 foot view. So that ability and desire to partner is probably the fourth and incredibly important characteristic that I'm looking for. There has been research that says that boards that are more diverse actually perform better. So with your research and all that you've done with uh, working with board members, what are the implications for nonprofits who don't diversify their boards or for that matter of their staff team? There's a lot. I think it comes down to the fact that the organization is not going to be making the best decisions. Because when you look at even outside of board data, outside of nonprofit leadership data, we know as a field um, and as, as a sector and sectors that diverse teams make better decisions because they have more experiences, more backgrounds in the conversation. So they're able to see nuances that a very homogenous board might not be able to see and probably won't be able to see. So I think the number one most important thing that will happen is that those decisions might not be in the best interest of the organization. And then it kind of spirals from there because if you're not making decisions that are in best interest of the organization, the organization ultimately isn't going to be able to have the amount of impact that it wants to and ultimately won't be able to serve its beneficiaries in the most effective way. So that's the first. The second piece is that as the the rise of the millennial and soon Gen Z generations and centennials, I, I think after that, they're demanding, as are other generations certainly, but they're demanding that organizations reflect the communities that they work with. And if organizations don't pay attention to that, they're going to lose out on this incredible next generation of talent 
that want to dedicate their time, they want to get deeply involved with organizations, but that they're really paying attention to what they look like. Um, and if they don't look like the communities that they represent, if they don't look like what the future of and world looks like, which is very diverse, uh, they're not gonna they're not gonna want to show up in service of and with that organization. So I think those are the two biggest and kind of scariest ones that I hope um, will help more homogenous boards see the massive benefits of creating a more diverse board and leadership team for their entire organization. Well, thanks for sharing that. And what you're sharing right now is very much in line with what we've heard from other guests uh, in terms of this new generation, of course, coming up and what they're looking for in nonprofits, not just in where they give their money, but where they get involved. And so your comment about uh, what they want out of a board and the diversity they want in a nonprofit, whether it be the board and or the staff team or both, is absolutely what we've heard from everybody else. I think you're right on with that. Now, I have a feeling my listeners are going to hear this and they want to know more information about you, what you do, Echoing Green. Uh, talk about where they best can find out how they can connect with you or find out more information about where you work. Sure. So you can go to echoinggreen.org and navigate to the Direct Impact page or see more about the organization there. Um, you can also find us on Twitter or Facebook at Echoing Green. And I would personally love to continue this conversation with anybody who's interested. Um, so I'm at Kate at echoinggreen.org. Pretty, pretty easy. And would love to hear ideas and, and things that have worked from listeners that are thinking intentionally about how to create more diverse boards. Excellent. Well, Kate, thanks so much again for joining us and calling in from New York. Uh, keep up the good work with all you do. Thank you so much for having me. I wanted to let you know that we are on iTunes. If you are wondering how to find out where we are, check us out on iTunes by typing Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help us expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as we can. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better.